Good morning. I don't know why I feel compelled to sing that every time I get on, but um, I do. And I also feel like I <sighs> am super winded because I ran upstairs so I could have tea. So now you know that I'm out of shape also. I'm pulling this up on I Facebook. Ooh, and there's my voice. Hello, hello, friends. There goes my little fish. It's fine. Things are going to be fine. We are Amanda. Hello. Hello, John. Gosh, always flirting with me online. That's fantastic. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. You guys, I hope, are you on alert? Can, let me just ask this. Can you feel that like things are shifting around you? Anyone feeling that? Like maybe there is like this renewal going on or all of a sudden you have interest in different things. You have a peak to curiosity. Is that happening? I wish there wasn't a delay so we could actually talk in real time, but I'll wait. Anyone feeling that? You can just do a, a thumbs up if that's you. Yes. Yes. Lisa says yes. That feels like an emphatic yes. Is anyone else feeling that? Like there is just this, for me, it, it feels like, oh, I know what it feels like being little and waiting for Christmas morning. That's what it feels like. Anticipation. That's a good word. Anticipation. Things are definitely shifting. Yes. And it almost feels, you know, maybe it feels like I always use this as a, a reference. Um, Playing hide and seek when it's dark. See, when I was little, not little, when I was like, you know, it's probably fifth through probably ninth grade. I don't know when we stopped playing hide and seek on the whole block. Our entire neighborhood, which consisted of all boys and me, we would play. I had two brothers. I was in, in between. I was in the middle. And everything that I did was um, boy like everything. I was not raised with girls. I was raised in the wild with boys. So everything that we did was boy-ish. And so, you know, I learned how to play football with the boys until, you know, things started developing and I couldn't catch anymore because, ow. And I know, TMI, whatever, who cares? Um, and then, so anyway, what I was talking about is um, playing hide and seek. We would play hide and seek on the entire block. I grew up in Manhattan, one block south of Points that is right across the street from um, City Park in Manhattan. And so we, we were, it was dark on Houston side, dark on the side streets, but then you hit Points and it was nothing but, you know, bright lights and whatever. So anyway, my whole point is, is that's what it kind of feels like to me is like, you know, you're hiding and you're kind of like, ah, or like, especially when you find a hiding spot that is really dark and there's like this anticipation and there's like this, this not I'm scared fear, but ah, I'm like excited and I don't know what I'm actually feeling. There's like adrenaline pumping and those kinds of things. That's what I'm feeling. Anticipation, but there is also, and I'm going to introduce to you that I believe that that feeling of like that fear of, oh my gosh, like it's almost got, it's got your attention. It's grabbed hold of your attention. I, I want to introduce that as 
the fear of the Lord. Oh my gosh. Hi mama. So, um, or Hey mama, that must be Lily. Is she still an, an editor or admin? <laughs> the unedited life account. I love it that she just popped up as unedited life. That's cute. Adorable. So anyway, what if that is the fear of the Lord, that feeling of like anticipation, awe, and almost like, I, I don't know, the unknown, right? Like how many of us fear the unknown? And we get a little like, weird about the unknown. I do. I do. Adrenaline and fear and excited. Yes. And here's the thing that I want to say is for those of you who perhaps have struggled with anxiety, I want you to note the difference. You could very easily pin this to anxiety because adrenaline and anxiety actually come from the same space in us. And so I want you to recognize that it's not the same. What I'm talking about is not the same. It is really an adrenaline that that is anticipating adventure, right? Adrenaline is different than anxiety. So I, I just wanted to make note of that. Hey, but what I really want to talk about is the unseen realm. And this has everything to do with what, with what I just introduced there. Because in the unseen realm, the only way that, that we can lay hold of that is when the fear of the Lord is present, leading us somewhere, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We can't even know to look into the unseen realm without wisdom. And wisdom doesn't function without the fear of the Lord. Is this exciting? Is anybody else excited? I know you say words like the fear of the Lord and like all of a sudden you're like, what? What is that? Because we have been we have been taught that God is to be feared in that I'm scared state. The, the fear that produces anxiety, but we're talking about the fear of the Lord that produces adrenaline, right? Adventure. It's something that we can look forward to, that we're, we might be a little scared because it's the unknown or the unseen, but there's something inside of us that compels us forward anyway, because the, the fear of the Lord is brought about by Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit is nothing short of childlikeness, Right? We know that the kingdom of, of heaven belongs to the children. And so it, we have to posture ourselves in a childlike state or in a state of, oh, I wonder, like, what does he have for me? Perfect. Well, in our Bibles, when the unseen realm is talked about, not always, but often, it is also laid out with problems. This is interesting to me. Is this interesting to you? Like when, when Paul discusses the unseen realm, he's also introducing something that is up against him. I think this is interesting. And um, I've been listening to the same chapter of the same book for days on end now. I think I'm attempting to memorize it. That's not working yet. But anyway, it's really good. It's called um, Rediscovering the Kingdom by Miles Monroe. And it is really good. And in it, he says this. He says that, um, and and this is totally a paraphrase because like I said, I didn't memorize it. He's talking about 
um, he, he specifically introduces um, a water bill. Oh, the water bill came in and I'm looking at my wallet and my bank account and and it doesn't look like, you know, I'm going to to be able to to respond to the water bill basically is what he's saying. And um, and, and how many of us get into financial woes? Can I call it that? We get into um, stuck spots financially and and freak out. Right. And but he what he's introducing in this chapter and he's talking about the unseen realm. He said, when we are postured as kings, we love problems because it gives us an excuse to partner more deeply with heaven. It gives us it gives us an opportunity to partner more deeply with God. Our Father, He holds the answers. It gives us the opportunity to lay hold of and bring into full manifestation the unseen realm or the kingdom, right? And um, so, and, and you know, Graham Cook, you guys know I love to quote him too. Graham Cook, he talks about this so often in his teachings, where he's like, you know, he's faking a phone call to his best friend John, and um, and he's like, John, I've got a problem. And, you know, he's he's laying out this whole scenario of John getting super excited that Graham has a problem. And and um, and then the phone call ends with Graham asking him, John, I forgot to ask, do you have a problem? And, you know, he's like, oh, well, that's OK, buddy. But the next time you do have a problem, be sure to give me a call because I want in, basically. And, and so they're excited about this potential problem that is coming up against them because it's an opportunity to pull the unseen realm and cause it to manifest, which is, wow, we aren't taught to think like this, but what if we did? What if we started thinking like this? Let's go to, um, let's look at Romans 8.37. This is what he says. Even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with a confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Don't you love that? His love demonstrated, I'm sorry, God has made us to be more than conquerors and, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about the things that are going on all around us in the unseen realm. So we've got all kinds of things, you guys, all kinds of things are stirred up all around us. The problem lies within what we are focused on. If we're going to focus on the shortage of money, if we're going to, to focus on our thought process of never enough, right, then we're going to continue to pull that into the scene realm. But if we look at our circumstances of, oh, that's interesting, there's not enough, challenge accepted, now I'm going to 
pull on the unseen provision within the realms of, of things that are unseen, of things that God has laid out for us. Listen, he's got treasure laid out for us. There is nothing, he says there, there is nothing that can stop us from all that he has for us, honestly, except for a poor mindset. And so we can actually reach beyond those circumstances that are surrounding us and wanting us to, to be convinced of our um, aloneness, of our orphanhood, or we can go beyond that and realize and we can we can recognize and partner with the 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 fact, the truth that God has abundance for us and we can lay hold of that and pull it in. So what does this look like practically? If you have something coming up against you and, um, you know, let's just use finance because everybody deals with that in some <laughs> in some way. Hi, Dylan. All my kids are on this morning. Just kidding. Just two of them. Um, so. If you take finances, for instance, that that looks like here's this is how I I would go about it. Okay, so very real circumstance. Um, John's truck is at the um, the wrecker service, and they won't let him get it out until he has the thousand dollars to pay for it, which is a whole story in and of itself. And listen, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Now you can see the enemy's hand in all things concerning that truck. That's very real. So, but in John 10, 10, it says the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the full. So what can we do in this circumstance? We can posture ourselves and like, God, I'm so sick of this. This always happens. There's never enough and there's always these challenges. Or I can go, devil, I see you. You're defeated. There's nothing that you can pull that's going to stop us from continuing to move further and further into the kingdom. And I can say, God, what's the solution? I can put it all on him and say, I know that you are the one that holds all provision for our lives. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. You are the one that has the money that is going to resolve this issue. You're the one. It's all on him because he called himself Jehovah Jireh. See, these are things that we have to know about him. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. So if I believe that he's not for me, then I'm going to sit here and think that my circumstances dictate my outcomes. But if I really truly believe that he is Jehovah Jireh, then I'm going to lean into that. And I'm going to know that he has a way. He is going to make a way. And not only is he going to make a way, but what the enemy intended for evil, God will turn around for good. See, we have to know what our Bible says so that we can bank on these things. Your bank account has nothing on God, right? And this is not a prosperity prosperity gospel. This is a God, my God is good gospel, right? Okay, let's go on. Let's look at um, let's look at Second uh, Corinthians four, and we're going to start in, in verse seven. This is going to be the bulk of what, what we talk about. We're going to read the rest of um, chapter four, treasure in clay jars. We are like 
clay, common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. Say that about yourself right now. I, 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 I acknowledge the pressure that is all around me, <laughs> but there's no way that I'll be crushed. Listen, you need to get a little bit arrogant about these kinds of things. I see you, defeated enemy, coming at me with all these accusations. How many of you know that that's where accusations come from? The defeated enemy. All accusations come from the defeated enemy. If that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. Right? So any accusations, any pressure, that's coming from a defeated enemy. And it will not crush you. Say that. You will not crush me. Circumstances, you're not going to crush me. Y'all just need to get a little boastful in that. At times, we don't know what to do. Right? But quitting isn't an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. Why does God allow these things to come at us? To reveal the resurrection power of Jesus Christ as evidence in us. Shoot, anybody got a hanky? Because that's hanky waving goodness. My gosh. Wow. Any crushing that you're experiencing is revealing. If you lean into, if you lean into God, is going to reveal resurrection power. You guys, that's good. That's good news. So that's good news. Okay. Where was I? Verse 11, we consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke faith. What? First I believe, then I spoke faith. So we also first believe, then speak in faith. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. And together, we will all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people resulting in an even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. I want us to change our minds about the challenges that rise up against us. And I'm not Pollyanna over here. You guys, I have my own set of issues, my own set of challenges. I'm not pretending that all things are good. I'm telling you there's a way out that leads to your abundance. That's what I'm saying. So we also first believe and speak faith. 
We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him and together we'll all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment. All things, say all things. So that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people. What? Do we understand what's taking place here? When I lean in knowing that he has all the answers to all of my challenges, it draws more and more people into his goodness. Deeper and deeper. Wanting more and more. Wow. Resulting in an even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. Verse 16. So no wonder we don't give up. I love, I just, I love the assurance that is on Paul's words here. So no wonder. So this is why we're fools for Christ. He actually says that in another portion of scripture. So no wonder we don't give up. You might think it looks foolish for me to go all in, but I've seen too much. That's the truth. I've seen too much. I've seen him come through over and over and over again. And most of the time, here's me just being honest. I have postured myself in a pauper scenario of neediness. He still comes through. Don't do that. Because he's going to come through anyway. So you might as well posture yourself as royalty because that is what's true of you. Right? Because here's the difference. If I posture myself in a, a pauper orphan way, then that is actually going to taint the picture of his goodness, because I am the image of Christ walking the earth today. How much more effect can I have on this world if I'm postured in my royalty, pulling on the goodness of the unseen realm and allowing all to see that manifest? Yeah, let's do that. Because then what happens is people can look into my image, my Christ-bearing image, and see themselves in their rightful place. This is really important, you guys. Please listen. I don't want you to identify with me in orphanhood. I want to pull you up higher. I want you to look into my image, find Christ, and find your own royalty. You cannot have effect on the world by agreeing with the world system. The wisdom of the world is just, there's no comparison between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God will actually feel like foolishness. But like Paul says, so no wonder we don't give up. This is too good. This is too good to give up on. Let's go all in. Yes, Lisa, feels good going all in. It does. There's there's nothing that can, can compare to that. We have to go all in. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as a substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
for what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. You can continue to invest your entire being into the seen realm of this world and it will pass away with your body. Or you can start investing in the unseen realm, which will live on forever. It's an investment that will never stop producing. I want that. If I, if I am interested in leaving an inheritance for not just my children, but all of humanity, I need to learn how to invest in the unseen realm. I need to be willing, listen, and I've told the story multiple times, months and months ago, back in the spring, I was minding my own business, watering the flowers out front. And God says to me, Angie, are you willing to give up your reputation? Now, I knew exactly what he was talking about. It's not that I have this grandiose reputation. Listen, I, I don't, I'm hardly known. It's fine. Um, but I knew that what he was asking me is, are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to be misunderstood or looked at as a fool? Right? I mean, like investing in the unseen realm is foolishness to the wise. It is. It, it, it appears foolish. God will ask you to do things that do not make sense. But what he's looking at is eternal. He's asking us to invest in something that is eternal. And we should go all in on that. Like, is that, is that resonating with anyone? Is anyone like having an amen rise up in them where you're like, yeah. I want that. Maybe, maybe you feel inspired to want that right now. Maybe you're like, yeah, yeah, like I'm inspired, but I don't know how to live that out. Well, what I'll tell you is community matters. You have to surround yourself with people that are also going all in. You've got to surround yourself with people who are also investing in the kingdom. And I am not suggesting that you you come and camp out in a space and do nothing, just surround yourself by people that are like-minded. That's not what I'm saying. But you do need to be surrounded by people who are also investing in the unseen realm, in the kingdom. See, our job is to advance the kingdom of God so that everyone gets to play, right? Like that's the goal, is that everyone be ignited in the same thing, seeing themselves as royalty. Let's go back to that image portion of things really quick because there's just something stirring in me on that. And I feel like we need to understand that in the fall, um, in the garden where, where humanity fell, not in the season, the fall, but um, in the garden where humanity fell, where Adam and Eve fell, we know that there were there were two trees, right? There that 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 God introduces. He's like, there's two trees. Eat the, eat from the tree of life. Do not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, we know the story. One day, little serpenty serpent slithers up into the tree and and deceives Eve. Is like, and, and listen, this is how it happened. You guys, we have got to be on guard. We need to recognize the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the defeated enemy. And I will always refer to him as the defeated enemy because that's what's true. Because what Jesus did is defeat the enemy. We're just um, we're just still being fooled by his old tactics. We haven't learned 
to turn his tactics into swords. But we should go read the story of Esther because it talks about that very thing. Anyway, so um, where was I? Yes. Okay. So what really took place there? We can look at the scenario and, and read it word for word. But this is what took place is uh, Lucifer became jealous of the intimacy that there was between God and Adam and Eve. And so he's like, I want some of that for myself. I want them to look into me and see themselves. Right. So what he does is usurp the image of man. And for the first time, Adam and Eve look into another source to identify with. So the same thing is true when I was introducing the orphan spirit that we tend to walk around with. Woe is me. Nothing ever good happens for me. Right. Recognize that. So when we are walking around as paupers or orphans, we're identifying with a defeated enemy and everyone else is looking into our image and also identifying with that. You want to know why we're squeaky wheels? It's because we want people to side with our orphanhood. But the problem with that is that we're asking them to side with their fallen state, ever ignoring what Christ has done on the cross to redeem mankind. See, it's actually your job to identify as king so that when other people look at you or interact with you, they see themselves as royalty. Anything short of that is fallen and you're siding with... They're, they're, I, I love the book, um, uh, Patmos, because it's where this idea of siding with Jesus is introduced for me. Um, but what we need to understand is there are only two two ways to side here. We can side with Jesus and understand our royalty and walk around as royalty, or we can side with a defeated enemy. There is no other, there's no in-between. There's not, there's not. It's just, it's kingdom or it's defeated enemy, right? I know that's harsh. It's, it's, it's sharp, but we need to hear these kinds of things. So don't walk around as an orphan, walk around as royalty. Because when people interact with you, you want them to be provoked to be like, whoa, I see myself different when I'm around you. You say things that provoke something in me. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm representing the unseen realm. I'm representing the space where all your treasures are stored up. That's what you should be provoking in people. You guys, we have no idea who we are and that's the problem. We have to know who we are. Um, kingship is about reclaiming what has already been conquered. Right? Jesus has already conquered. Our job is to go in and, and reclaim it as ours because he gave us dominion over the earth. Right? It's ours to steward. So I'm going to leave you with that. You can go and read more about the kingdom in your Bible. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And what Jesus did, listen, what Jesus did was pull things in to from the unseen realm into the seen realm. All throughout his ministry, that's what he was doing. So go and read the accounts of miracles and interactions that Jesus had. And if you remember correctly, he healed somebody. He healed a blind man. 
on the Sabbath. And, and he actually tells he, when he's confronted by the Pharisees for working on the Sabbath, he, he actually says to them, he's like, I only do what my father's doing. If my father's working, I'm working. I'll leave you with that. Guys have a blessed weekend. Join us. Um, Sunday morning in person. We are not going live right now on Sunday morning. So you really don't have a choice. Join us in person. There will be a live recording posted later. And um, also ladies, we have bliss on Sunday night. It's at 6 p.m. If you've never been before, I, I want you to be assured that it is a it's a safe, comfortable space. And but there will be challenge, right? Like you are going to be challenged and stretched. I'm not going to like fluff this up and make you feel like, you know, you're not going to be wiggly because you might get wiggly and that's good. That's good. What I can guarantee is that you will see yourself as a kingdom heir. That's what I will guarantee. So ladies, 6 p.m. bliss on Sunday evening. There will be refreshments. So come and enjoy all that God is doing. I will talk to you all soon. Love you all. Bye.